1: Hello, and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello, empaths. We hope you're having a wonderful week. We are so excited to be back with you. Are you having a a good week, Denise?
2: I am. And as we're recording this, we're getting ready for, well, today is a new moon and Mercury is going direct and energies are shifting. We're going into the seasonal changes. So I'm hopeful for some good, new, fresh energy coming
1: in in these coming months. Me too. This Venus retrograde and then Mercury retrograde, whew, it's been a lot. It has been, been a, a lot. lot. So it'll be nice to at least see those two mixed up energies go in our rear view mirror. And luckily, <laughs> luckily, we have some fascinating stories and questions to share with you on our Community Connection show. Do you want to start us off?
2: I do. Uh, we had two people that have taken our classes reach out, and they listened to the podcast we did with Laura Day and, and her question about discernment coming up. How do you know if it's something about you or if it's your own stuff or you're absorbing someone else's energy? And the situation was that one of these people was on the other person's podcast and was interviewed and then woke up panicked about some things that were shared and thought, oh, do I reach out and, and like wake up in the middle of the night in this raw panic of, oh, should I have said that? Should I have done this? And I think we've all been there, done that, and have the T-shirt. But the real question came back to, um, I'm going to quote this here, Uh, blah, blah, blah. It was a bizarre jolt of energy. It bothered me almost to the point of texting this other person and asking her to change what had been said. And I was like, no, I don't want to disturb her in the middle of the night. I'll do it in the morning and went back to sleep. But that anxiety hung up. And then in the morning had heard the Laura Day podcast and said, you know, those voices in your head may not always be yours, which we all know, but to go on that anxious feeling, if they weren't yours, was someone fearful for her? Or, you know, I don't know. And I think that's where the discernment piece comes in. How do you know if this is my stuff or if it really is someone else projecting it onto me? And it, it goes on to say that. But I just thought that that was a really, so many of us feel this and experience it, that it's a good thing to bring, bring up today as we're chatting.
1: And Yeah. I do too. And I, I think it's important with discernment and anxiety in particular, because that that anxious energy, it's hard to weed through that and figure out what the heck your anxious mind is trying to tell you. So I would always recommend focusing on calming the anxiety first before getting to the discernment part. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yes. And that's, that's the same direction I was going with, you know, do some deep breaths, get recentered, really come back to self and try to look at a little objectively of, is this a valid thing that I need to be anxious about or afraid about, or what is the root of this? And if for this person who is very um, private, but becoming more public, I think the, the anxiety and the nerves about what was shared was very valid. And that's part of a, a rite of passage when you're going to put yourself out there in a bigger way, is to and allow people to see another side of you. Sometimes when it comes in out of left field and it's unexpected and it doesn't make sense, I, that might be an indicator that it's someone else's energy kind of influencing what you may be feeling or sensing.
1: Yeah, I, I think sometimes it definitely can be. I think also. When we have those feelings of, oh, I shouldn't have said that, why did I say that, this is a step too far, all of that, often that's the universe holding up a mirror for us and saying like, okay, are you comfortable at this stage, do you want to keep going, is this enough right here? And so I think that's why it's important to, to work on that anxiety from a mental standpoint, so journaling or talking about it and then also from a spiritual standpoint you know clearing your energy clearing your aura balancing your chakras calling your energy back and and then you can really decide is this my intuition or the other person's and you know that's hard because we've talked so many times about how what's going on in our personal life will often show up in the readings right mm-hmm. like you'll have if, if you're like right now, I'm caregiving my mom. And so if I were doing readings actively right now, I probably have a bunch of clients who are caregiving a parent. That just is the way it works. And I think Laura Day even touched on that. And I, I find that interesting as well.
2: Yes, those are really, really good points. And I, I do think the the vulnerability and the anxiety can go hand in hand.
1: Yeah. And anxiety, in my opinion, is always trying to tell us something. And I think what happens when we get anxious, we don't like that feeling. It's uncomfortable. It makes us feel disconnected, unbalanced. And so we tend to ignore it or distract ourselves from it. I think it's important to sit with that anxiety and like an onion, peel away the layers. Because you might think you're anxious about what you said on a podcast But when you pull that layer away, it's not what you said, it's what you revealed or how you feel about yourself in what you said. And so you've got to always get to the heart of what that anxiety is trying to tell you.
2: And I love, love, love that this person said, I have a suspicion of who or what it may be now that the dust has settled. That's so, so, so important because sometimes giving it a tiny bit of space and then looking back at it, will give you a clearer perspective and it, and it's not as bad as the initial, especially if it's the first time you're doing something or it's a little out of your comfort zone, but to give it a minute and take it, it goes back to take a deep breath and recenter. But I love that this person was able to confirm with themselves that it wasn't theirs and where it was coming from, because as intuitives as empaths, not being judgmental or being like, oh, I know it was you that was sending me the bad juju. It's more being aware of of what's in our org field and what might be infringing on that.
1: Very well said. Okay, switching gears, we have a story a listener sent in that's a sign from above, which I loved. This one says, I wanted to share an experience I had where I received a sign from a loved one through music. It was a few days before New Year's 2023, and I had to go to the bank to pay my rent. I walked into the bank and instantly heard the song, Who Knew, by Pink. Ever since my uncle passed away in 2011, I have always associated that song with him. Now, I do not go out of my way to listen to the song as it makes me extremely emotional, nor do I hear it often as it's an old song. It came out in 2006. Anyway, when I heard the song in the bank, I smiled and said, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, Uncle Ryan. I love you. I proceeded to tell the teller about my exchange. Meanwhile, I noticed the music ended and there was a long pause between the end of the song and the start of the new one. I thought it was funny how long the pause was because I'm not someone who notices signs from spirit. I'm very new in my spiritual journey, so I'm just learning how to interpret signs. So in my head, I was like, oh, that's definitely him making sure I heard that song. All of a sudden, I hear very faintly the words, put your hands in mine. If your wings are broken, take mine so yours can open too, because I'm going to stand by you. These are the opening lyrics to Rachel Platton's song, Stand By You. I could barely even focus on the bank teller because as soon as I heard these words, my stomach dropped and instantly I became emotional. I ran out of the bank to my car and sat there and cried. I'd never received a message so strong and clear before. I just knew it was from my uncle. I thanked him for the message and told him I loved him again. It was the perfect way to enter the new year. To this day, there's no doubt in my mind that he sent me that message. And even though I haven't gotten one like that since... I know he is surrounding me with love and support. Thank you for letting me share. Wow. I love that story because we often do get signs through music. And he or she had two signs through music. And secondly, I love that this listener says, I have no doubt. And that's something that happens when we get signs from our loved ones in heaven is it's accompanied by this knowing, this this inner feeling that that is your hello from heaven. And you just... You know, you you just can't doubt that it's, you know, it. it's, you know, it without knowing how or why it's the best feeling.
2: Oh, I agree. And this is a lovely, lovely story. I appreciate this person sharing this because that the fact that the songs were so apparently linked to her uncle. And I think as mediums, we've seen that if there is a musical connection between people, or if someone has a strong musical background, they'll often use songs, lyrics, lyrics, to come through as messages. So this was beautiful. Our next one says, I've always considered myself an introvert, but I'm very comfortable around my one or two close friends. When in groups of friends of more than two people, however, I've noticed that I draw into myself and prefer to just observe and listen rather than participate. I've tried being social with my neighbors, but when everyone gets together and it's three or more together, I feel really unsure and uncomfortable not knowing who to talk to or where to focus, and I end up just sitting there quietly. It's almost like I don't know how to act or which facade to put on, and it's overwhelming. Is this empathy? Am I being overloaded by other people's energies in these situations, or is it more of a self-confidence thing that I need to navigate? I don't think I absorb others' feelings, and I feel fine when I'm in other crowded areas like stores or airports. It's just when I'm in large groups of acquaintances that I feel like this. I'd love your input. Well, I think that you are a card-carrying member of the introverts, so, so welcome in. We we appreciate you. And also that it is, those are all I'm I'm highly introverted and you described it to a T. Samantha, you're more ambivert, which you can go both sides and be more gregarious and out there. And I agree, a couple of close friends and with groups of people taking a more quiet role, I do think this is a form of empathy as well, of being overloaded by the energies or maybe it's a, a throwback to being, for me, I was brutally shy. And I think sometimes that, even no matter all the work that I do, I still will revisit that, those old feelings of being a little unsure of how to uh, navigate social situations.
1: Yeah, I think this is more of an introvert thing, but I also think that introverts and empathy often go hand in hand, right? Yes. I found in those situations, people love to talk about themselves. And so it's not so much you have to worry about what you say; just ask them questions, right? Just be curious about who they are and where they where they work and what they do. And I, I just, I don't know. I, th- I find if you're curious about people, the small talk doesn't doesn't have to be so stressful. That's you know a good what I
2: mean? Point. Yes. I think That's it's. A good point.
1: I love to add, like, if if I meet a couple. I love to ask how they met and I've never met a couple who doesn't enjoy telling that story. <laughs> <laughs> right? Sure. I mean, you don't want to ask about the weather or, you know, their views on politics, but if you if you talk to them just curiously about, you know, maybe a stone they're wearing or how they know the your mutual friend, it's a good jumping off point. But I I don't and I don't think this means this person is lacking self-confidence. I think for some people small talk is just kind of tiresome
2: or or not a lot of people don't like it they just don't like they want something more they and I think that the fact that this person mentions that they do have close friends that they do feel comfortable with your your suggestions are are wonderful and that is exactly what many of us will do in those situations is you find something that a commonality that you can talk about
1: yeah, and I think this is part empathy too because the listener says, "I don't know which facade to put on." And that's how small talk can often feel, right? Like like it's fake, it's too surfacey. And I think Empaths, you know, we're not the best with the surface level stuff. We like to go deep. And when you're in those casual social settings, it's not the time to talk about aliens and <laughs> your beliefs <laughs> on past lives. <laughs> Unless you're hanging out with Denise and me. True. Sure. Okay, our next one says, I feel like I need to comment on something I've heard you both say multiple times about connecting or talking to nature and nature beings as woo or crazy. I'd just like to send a friendly reminder that this is actually the natural state of our world and our connection to it. And right now, since basically everything is upside down, we forget that not being connected is actually a very strange and unnatural thing. Just look at the Indigenous tribes who speak to this connection across all cultures, they know this truth. I fully embrace my ability to connect this way, and it gives me so much meaning. If I mention it to people and they don't get it, I don't care because I know what's true, and I have so many experiences to back this up. And these experiences and knowings give my life so much meaning and magic. It's actually sad to me that they can't feel the same connection as well. Anyways, just felt I needed to speak up about that because you have nothing to apologize for or explain. That is the natural state of being and it is a good thing. Well, thank you for that reminder. I think this listener probably meant this more for me than you, Denise, because I think you're much more comfortable talking about your connection to nature. And you know, this is a good reminder for me because I am often apologizing for my quote unquote strange beliefs and intuitive feelings. And I think she's right we have nothing to apologize for
2: yes and this is a really nice nice letter too as far as for you and I but also for the listeners to realize that there are the people that feel that strong connection with the natural world what I've noticed lately is the energies we've we've chatted about this the energies have been intense there's been a lot of feeling almost a little bit reactionary or or overwhelmed or I think so many folks over these last few months, But how instantly going out into nature and and recalibrating is the magic elixir right now for many, many people, is to reconnect with that earth energy, to reconnect with nature. So again, yes, thank you very much to this person for sending this beautiful reminder. Agreed. Um, Our next one, this person is writing all the way from South Africa. I was led to your podcast because of my rising interest in crystals and also realizing my intuition is becoming clear. I have a bird that visits and sits on my window between the hours of 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. When it comes, it is relentless and comes for a period of a month or more. When it doesn't visit, I miss it. What I want to know is what is the significance? I usually wake up and meditate or pray. I do realize that I'm not alone. My guides are with me. Also, Samantha, is there a crystal I can use to welcome the bird with? So I love that the bird is visiting between that magical time between 3 and 5 a.m. Often 2 to 4 a.m. is when the veils are thinner. You're going to get a lot of downloads. There's heavy dream activity. There's messages that come through. Um, so I think that it's interesting the birdie shows up during that time and that it's consistent and letting the person know that the bir- that it's there. So the relentless part of it. Uh, I think it could be a message from a loved one in spirit. You may want to look up what kind of bird it is and check out Animal Speak by Ted Andrews or another resource that will go into what the metaphysical meaning of that particular bird might be.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point, because different birds can signal or signify different things. And I think it's interesting to note the time, 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. I remember when I first started hearing that spiritual and sometimes scary things happen around 3 a.m., right? You've heard that before. Mm -hmm. And I remember laughing at it and thinking, okay, wait, does spirit know like oh wait she's 3 a.m eastern time and (laughs) we gotta wait two more hours or you know she's 3 a.m over in central time and then i started kind of googling and reading and researching more and it's not that it's something about how the energy wherever you are between 3 a.m is calmer because most people are sleeping And there's something about the EMF too that's calmer because fewer people are on their phones or connecting to Wi-Fi. And so everything tends to calm and settle down and it makes it easier for spirit to connect with us in those times. Doesn't that kind of make sense? Oh, it does. It makes a lot of sense. And isn't it interesting that we're you have to add in now the
2: EMFs? Yeah. Historically, that's a pretty recent addition to the whole
1: energetic field. I know. It's so true. Um, As far as crystals, I would recommend using your intuition on that and really thinking about what's like, just going with the first stone that pops into your mind, because that's always my favorite way to choose crystals. But I think moss agate would be a great choice as well, because it's so connected to nature. There is a beautiful agate, I think it's called blue robin's agate. And it's, it's kind of like a blue lace agate that um, makes me think of You know, connecting with with birds and throat chakra, which is about soaring and flying and communicating. So either of those I think would be great stones to use to connect with this bird. Beautiful. Okay, our next one says, I've recently been listening to a podcast having to do with spiritualism as my paternal grandmother was of that belief. So it's of great interest to me. The woman on the podcast was interviewing a gentleman involved in the creation of something called the soul phone. He and others are working on a device that they believe will be able to contact our departed friends and relatives on the other side one day. He said it will be quite common to communicate with our departed at any time, just like we can do with the living. At first, I thought how beautiful that would be, but having really given it some thought, I'm concerned. I've learned so much about how beautiful and perfect the other side is and how we are without worry, without pain, or are free and not bound or stressed by anything. Then I look at this world we are living in and see so much revolves around self-centered wants and needs. People spend the majority of their days on their cell phones, taking selfies, posting and following influencers, playing games, and not just being, loving, and caring. Isn't that what it will be like when we go back home? Won't we be with our beloved friends and family and existence will be all love, light, and happiness? Our world here seems so selfish and theirs on the other side is anything but. So what happens when or if you bring those two worlds together? Would we be respectful enough, or would we trash it up like we seem to do with everything else? Or do you suppose that communication with those across the veil would be firmly controlled more by the enlightened than those of us here? Conversation would not dwell on human problems, complaints, and worldly issues, and all coming from the other side would continuously be about love, light, and nothing else. Okay, I think this is interesting. I know uh, Tesla and Thomas Edison were said to have been working on something like this before their deaths as well. Denise, I need your input here because I don't know, I might have a different viewpoint on this, but in my work as a medium connecting with loved ones on the other side, I don't think it is all love and light. Like they're still working on stuff over there and they still check on us all the time. They're very aware of our problems and worries and concerns. I mean, so often some of the validations I'll bring through are, oh, your grandmother was with you when you were going through that divorce or... You know, your aunt is seeing that there's a surgery coming up and don't worry, it's going to be okay. And so I I don't know that those two worlds are as separate as this listener seems to think they are. I think that they are still very much with us and are watching over us and helping us when they can and how they can. And I also think that it's, you know, they, they are still who they are. How many times have you heard me say, Denise, when we die, we're not given like a halo and cloud nine. I mean, we still have our own stuff to work through. We have karma. We have our life review. There's there's still a lot. We, you know, wherever you go, there you are as the as the saying goes. So I, I don't know. What do you think?
2: I went in a completely different direction with this and thought about how many countless readings I've done where people have said, if I could just talk to him one more time, if I could just hear her voice one more time, if I knew that she was okay, and we can bring through all the signs, we can work through a medium, we can work it through automatic writing, but there's something about the the energetic imprint of voice, of sound, that is going to bring through a stronger connection for a lot of people. The other thing that popped into my mind was the the remember we did the story on the wind phone that the yeah. woman had done. And it it again, it's putting it out there of, are you still there? Can you let me know you're okay? Uh I I agree with you that I don't I don't think that spirit my my own personal belief, I don't think spirit's gonna let us muck it up on that side we' we're, we're we are doing a very, very successful job of that here. We should all be proud. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that there is there's a reason that there is a veil or you know, we always say the veil is gone or it's thin, but there's a reason that there's a buffer between these worlds because if if I again, personal, if we believe that this is a better place, we're going to and that there is love and joy and peace and community, and we're with our loved ones without pain, why would we want to stay here? And we come here to learn and grow and evolve as souls. So very interesting. This is one that you can think about in a lot of different directions.
1: Yeah, but you brought up some really great points. Because how many times have we said, if you could just have that 100% 100% guaranteed confirmation that your loved one is okay on the other side, how significant would that help your grieving process? That would be tremendous. Right. And yeah, if, if
2: you are a clear audience and you do hear things, learning to trust when you do get a sign from your loved ones in spirit is the perfect first step to opening that door a little bit wider. Mm, I agree. Um, our next one... I'm a longtime listener and fan of the show and have come across a situation that I'd love your opinion on. I'd love for this to be answered as a general question. I'm 28 years old and going to give some context for it to make sense. I dated a guy at the beginning of the year for not even a full month. I'm not someone who usually gets super attached to a guy quickly and it's hard for me to open up, but this guy was someone who I met and although hesitant, I couldn't deny how much I loved being around him. It felt safe, and easy connection, amazing communication, and I was doing everything in my power to not pushing him away as I tend to do. I was st- still figuring out how I felt about him, but could definitely see myself liking him. One day he told me he was going to come over the next day and see me. I replied, that'd be great, and offered to drive him, and then I never heard from him again. I also tried reaching out and nothing. I only know he's alive because I watched my friend's Instagram stories, Usually people's first question when I tell them is, is he dead? But because everyone else is also shocked that this happened. All this to be said, it's been eight months. And while in my human form and mind, I feel very over him and moved on. I'm dreaming about him pretty consistently. And I believe I saw him recently as well. I've done energy cord cuttings on myself multiple times. I've done energy clearings. I've written letters to him and burned them. I've asked my pendulum and it's very clear in the answering. I should not reach out and I do not have any more energy to clear. I don't tend to get stuck on guys very often and never have in this way, especially after a short period of time. I'd love your opinions on if you believe this is a soul connection that maybe we did not complete this cycle and that's why I can't shake it. Perhaps he's dreaming of me or am I picking up on that energy? I would love maybe an episode explaining a general understanding of the difference. Anything would help. I'm at a loss and really am over it. I think many, many, many of us as empaths have felt this such a strong, heartfelt connection to someone and when it ends abruptly and there's no closure, personally, I think it's like grieving a death because you don't have any, uh, it's a sudden passing where you're left with so many questions. And the problem with this situation is, that from what this person is describing, it was good. There weren't any red flags. She's owning her stuff and saying, you know what? I saw this, I or he or she, I shouldn't have presumed, he, she, or they. I think that this can really be um, heartbreaking, especially when you've done the work to cut the cords, to be logical, to clear your energy. And it's still that nagging thing. I had a situation similar many, many, many years ago. And I ended up realizing it was a, well, finding out through through some work that I did that there was a past life connection where it had ended in a very similar way. And I wonder if that's that intensity on your part is, you know son of a bitch i thought we were going to figure it out this time i don't think it means that it has to come back and do it again because maybe the lesson in it is you learning to say i'm not going to follow those patterns and make this uncomfortable for myself anymore
1: yeah i agree you know being ghosted like that is just so painful and i maybe what happened here is this other person felt that strong connection too and got scared because, you know, at only 28, maybe maybe this person wasn't ready for the seriousness of the connection you two shared. There's, um, not to, you know, make fun of this situation, but there's a very funny episode from the old show, Sex in the City, where uh, Cynthia Nixon's character talks about how you have to have like your light on remember when cabs if, if cabs were like ready for fares they turn their light on mm-hmm. and she'd say like if guys if guys aren't ready for a relationship and their light isn't on they're just going to keep on going and and i think there's some truth to that when when you're young and you're not ready for commitment and you just want to date and then you meet someone who checks all the boxes and you ha- you haven't done the work yourself i think some people get scared they don't know how to handle it they don't have the inner tools and they just they just ghost. And especially for intuitive empaths, that's very jarring, like you said, and it's going to take time. But I think understanding that this is not about you, the listener, this is about that person. This has nothing to do with you.
2: The other thing that just popped out is that it's been about eight months. And if we all look back over our shoulder at the last eight months, it's been an emotional roller coaster for a lot of people. So I wonder, and it's been a time of release and letting go and purging and uh, old patterns, old memories, old loop tapes. I think that this has been a, a huge, huge, huge gift to be having in your first Saturn return of saying, you know what, I deserve to be treated better than this. And you're spot on. The per- This person who wrote the letter didn't do anything to cause this, but how it's is choosing to deal with it now. And I love all the, the wonderful proactive things this person did to, to clear themselves and their energy so they can move forward. The one last thing on this is that I've been noticing a lot in readings that people are manifesting this incredible relationship. They're coming in. This is my person. Holy shit. This is it. I am in. Wow. And then something similar to what this person has described happens, but then right behind it, it's almost like they were the messenger to get someone ready for the real deal.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for taking time to write to us and share that. And I think a lot of people will resonate with that question. Yes. All right. Our next one says, I had a devastating falling out with my former best friend of 30 years. Our families." were like family. We could show up at each other's houses and walk in without knocking. We celebrated births and holidays. Our children spent their childhoods playing outside, making art, watching movies together. As the years went by, our friends faced big challenges that come with having teenagers. And though they were excellent at providing shelter and basic needs for their children, what they could not provide consistently was warmth, understanding, or patience. We sensed their growing resentment when our kids didn't seem as hard to parent as their kids or when their kids would come to us for advice or just to hang out and have fun. My best friend and her husband began to grow emotionally distant from me and my husband. Our once deep conversations became surfacy, our visits lessened. Even after we were asked to come over several times to calm the physical fights between her husband and teen son, they acted later as if it never happened, nor said thank you. Instead, my friend's Facebook would be filled with incredible photos of her family and their travels. She even joked about upholding her public image. On the rare occasion where a little bit of vulnerability was shown, it was quickly retracted. Still, we thought this was what friendship was, helping friends through hard times and loving them unconditionally, even if we didn't always agree with them. One day, a serious incident destabilized the foundation of our friendship. It was something their almost adult-age son did to our 15-year-old daughter. And when we experienced not just their lack of empathy, but hostility for us establishing a boundary for their son— It was like a blindfold was ripped from my eyes. I saw them for who they were and not for who they used to be or who I wanted them to be. I stood my boundary respectfully but shaking like a leaf as she continued to throw proverbial bricks my way. I rarely responded to her bricks and when I did, I was respectful and straightforward. After months of desperately waiting for her to show any sign of understanding or compassion, I did the hardest thing I've ever done in a friendship. I blocked communication and walked away. It was like a shedding. I learned to gently let go of our mutual friendships. I did months of therapy and learned about my codependency on her. I'm exploring who I am without her enmeshed in my life. I learned many valuable lessons, but some days the pain is so fresh. We live in the same neighborhood, so when I see them, my body reacts strongly with fear, even if my mind works hard to ground itself. So I have questions about the spiritual side of conflict. How do we truly heal from the loss of a friendship that took roots in childhood? Was she part of my life plan to teach me how to stand up for my values or is she just deeply lost? How do I protect myself from that energy? How do I wish them well when I don't really feel that way? How do I forgive? Wow, that's a big one. And I think when we have to let go of a friendship that's that long and that imaged, as she said, it is like grieving a death you add children in there and and your children being hurt or harmed in any way and no that's a that's a line in the sand I I won't cross and so I would I would recommend that you focus like you said at the end of your email on the lessons that this friendship taught you and especially the ending of this friendship taught you and hold on to that more than what you lost because really what have you lost, but maybe the illusions of a friendship. And I think once we clear away that, it makes room in our heart for true friendship to come into our lives. And clearly you've you've built a beautiful family and you and your husband are parenting fantastic kids. And when you focus on what really matters, that's that's when you can get into the real roots of, of healing from this. And I don't I don't know, Denise, I have very, very different views on forgiveness than most spiritual people. And if someone harms my children, I don't know. Forgiveness is the last thing I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on my kids. So I don't know that you have to jump right to forgiveness. This is still pretty new. Um, You're working on it. You're going to therapy through it. I would let, let forgiveness come in a natural, organic way. Don't force forgiveness. Sometimes we need, when we're super spiritual and kind and empathetic, we can almost be too forgiving. Does that make sense? Am I making sense?
2: No, it makes perfect sense. And I think the, the 30 year plus friendship, that that is family that is someone who knows your original face they you grew up together in many ways you you had children at the same time they played together those are all strong 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 bonds and cords and connections and memories and then to have that just abruptly end it comes back to what I said earlier, there's a grief, there's loss, there's who am I without this person in my life, especially if it was your best friend or your dear, dear friend that you, who am I going to call to share this news with? Or who do I, oh, this is happening. Can I confide in this person? To have that taken away is a huge monumental loss. I've I, i, I I've had that experience. It is devastating and it's it's painful. What popped into my mind though, is that What a beautiful gift that you could be there for those children when life might have been a little tumultuous or uncertain for them, that they had the security to come to your home and feel that love and compassion. And I'm a really big believer in everyone has stuff in their life that they would rather not have the world know about, or no one's perfect. We all have stuff but I know when you're struggling with your children and it's a very, um, it's a different it's a different fear. It's a different insecurity. It's a different, there's, it's, there's hard words to put that through. If, if your ch- child is going through challenges that you want to support them and protect them, but you also don't want unwarranted advice from someone else who may not understand what your reality is.
1: Yeah. I mean, all of that is tricky. I think blending friends with kids and having all of those interactions is incredibly hard, but isn't this how the universe speaks to us? I mean, look, she had a lot of warning signs in the last few years that this was Mm -hmm. not the friendship for her. And those warning sounds got louder and louder and louder. And so uh, something else I would focus on is that this I feel like this friendship was meant to happen and unfortunately meant to implode or explode because you guys have finished whatever karmic work you came here to do. And it's going to be hard and you're going to grieve it. But to me, it feels like this was all happening as it should. And here's a really weird twist, but it might help.
2: The only one you need to forgive is yourself. You did everything humanly possible. And there's you're the one that chose the boundaries. You're the one that chose to to change things. So really, it feels like if you can just get make peace with yourself and and send love to your friend and say I wish you well. I agree with you, Samantha. Sometimes forgiveness can show up with a different guise.
1: Yeah, I love that you said that. Forgive yourself. That's that's perfect.
2: So. Our next one is a different twist. Uh, I don't have any psychic abilities that I know of, but I do have amazing dreams, connect with spirit animals, and I'm very empathic. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, you're in the club. I've I've always been able to tell how people are feeling, even when they don't voice it. I feel like I'm able to see through people and know if their souls are truly happy. So for the past year, I've been on a healing journey. Well, I've been homesick, but healing journey sounds much better that truly what it it has been i've learned so much through podcasts reading meditation i'm so ready and excited to heal so that i am able to serve and help others through this process i've been trying to learn how to manage my energy i'm learning grounding techniques i don't want to get burnt out again and get sick again so i'm wondering your advice on this topic in general and how to send love to people I enjoy sending love to people anytime I hear something has happened, or just if I think of an old friend and hope they're well. I've started to pray every day. In my prayer, I ask the divine to send love to whomever I think of each evening. The process feels good because the divine is sending the energy. So when I stop in the day and say, I send this person love, am I giving my power away? Is this using my own energy source? Should I always ask a a higher power to send love and light instead of me sending it? I hope this isn't a silly question, but I've been overthinking this and thought you two could shed some light on it. I didn't mean to be snarky about saying, well, you're in the club, but truly it does sound like you're very intuitive, very connected. And everyone who listens to the shows knows my belief that we all have this capability. It doesn't, one, it's just, you decide to open that door a little bit wider. Uh, I The the fact of sending love to people, one thing that you may want to try is uh, like literally put your hand on your heart and take a deep breath in and fill, fill, fill your heart with beautiful light and then send this beautiful beam to someone that you're thinking about or send it out into the universe. I think it's okay to send it from you because you're a conduit for spirit. And you can go through a higher power, you can go through, but I think also there is power in sending it from your own heart.
1: Yeah, I agree. And love is limitless, right? Right. And so I I think that's really, really important. There are a lot of beautiful, the the Buddhists in particular have those beautiful prayers of, you know, I am love and I am sending love. The, The meta prayer might be one you could look at, but I think- I think this listener uh, was answering their question while they were writing it. Yes. You know, if you start every day with prayer and you ask the divine to send love, I I think that's the way to do it. But if you say, I'm sending love to this person, well, we are all created by the divine. And that creator's spark of energy and love exists in all of us and connects each and every one of us. And it's a limitless source. And so it's never going to take away from your own energy. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. All right. Our next one says, Me and my grandfather on my father's side have always been very close, and he's more or less the one who raised me together with my grandmother, but I've always felt closer to my grandfather. Recently, in just a short amount of time, his well being started to decrease. And in about six months, he could barely walk and went in and out of the hospital. He's always been the health freak that everybody in town knows about because he runs or cycles everywhere. Up until his 85th birthday, he took his bicycle eight kilometers to town, went for his weekly swim, and cycled back. This made his heart very strong, but all other muscles, not so much. In late February this year, he was laying on his bed at home determined to cross over. He felt at peace and was happy with the life he had. Surrounded by his closest family taking care of him, he told everybody that it soon was his time to go. What should have gone rather fast took over three weeks because his heart just kept going. I didn't live where he spent his last days, but I'm grateful to say I got home to visit him one last time over the weekend. He was very weak, but still managed to talk more than I did and made sure I was okay. I had to go back and forth for work in the end of the weekend, so we said our goodbyes, which we both knew would be our last one to each other. Three days later, he passed peacefully. One week on a dark Wednesday afternoon after work, I was about to leave my bicycle outside my building before heading up to our apartment. The ever-shining lamp outside all of a sudden started flashing like crazy, which has never done before. I just knew my grandfather had paid me a visit. It kept going on and off for a few minutes, then went back to normal again. I went home and told my girlfriend about it, but I kept having the feeling that I wanted another sign from him and to know he was okay. Another week passed, and before going to bed, I started to think of my grandfather again and thought, I hope I'll dream of him tonight. It'd be nice if he could give me a sign and a dream. And I didn't even know if it was if that was a possibility. In the morning, I dreamt I was in an empty room except for a couch where I was resting. The couch stood close to windows covering the whole side of the wall. My phone rang and it said grandfather, as it does on my real phone. I was thinking that's weird since he's not able to call me anymore. I answered it and it was him saying that he wanted to visit me and just say hello and show me that he's doing all right if that's okay with me. Absolutely, I replied. Seconds later, he was standing outside the glass windows waiting for me. I went up and walked to him and opened a glass door and just looked at him. He was younger, looked like I was used to seeing him and absolutely thriving. He smiled and reached out his arms and I hugged him and cried. We stood there in silence and hugged each other for a really long time. We didn't say anything, but I know this was him visiting my dream and not just me dreaming of him. He really was there. Maybe this is old stuff for many, but I'm new to this and didn't know this could happen. It was a profound moment and I'm so glad I got to see him again. I'm still missing him. But after that moment, I felt lighter. Wow. That is such a testimony to the power and connection of love, you know, because first she gets this beautiful sign of the light flickering and it happens when she's on the bike. And as she mentioned earlier, you know, the grandfather loved his cycling. So I think that's very interesting. And then to have this dream, first of all, this grandfather is very polite because he called first is it okay if I pop by in your dream? I I love that detail. (laughs) You know, like just checking, is it okay? And you know, absolutely. And then boom, there he is. And he's able to hug her and he looked younger and healthier. I mean, what more can you ask for?
2: Yeah, this is a beautiful, beautiful testament of how spirit will They'll, they work hard to come and see us as much as we want them to, and as much as we want to reach out to them. It is a, a two-way street, and this is incredible, absolutely incredible. I love it.
1: Me too. Well, those were some great questions and wonderful stories.
2: They really were, and it highlights the depth and you know, how many various things we're all going through, but the the commonality that we all feel as empaths, as sensitives, that there's someone listening that will have a connection with one of these stories and say, "Oh my gosh, that's my story too.
1: I know. and and to see that so many of us have these, these thoughts and these feelings, and we're not alone. I mean, how many people have felt uncomfortable in a social setting? How many people have grieved the loss of a friendship? I mean, I just think these, these stories are so great for listeners to take time to send in because it reminds us that even though you might feel alone, sometimes we're all going through this together.
2: And I love that we get to share the insights from the listeners as well. Like you and I will have an opinion and we'll talk about it and chat, But in so many of these, people are sharing their own insights. And I think that's equally as helpful
1: as anything you and I could say. Oh, I totally agree, 100%. So thank you guys so much for taking time to connect with us and and share your experiences. If you want to share a story or question, you can email us, enlightenedempaths at gmail.com. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Just search Enlightened Empaths. We hope you have a beautiful week. Please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.